Oh man, how awesome it is to be with you this morning. Are you glad to be in God's house? Oh, come on now. Are you glad to be in God's house? I'm glad for you to come to my house and I'm glad to go to your house. But when we come to God's house, there's no house like God's house. Amen. And everybody's welcome at God's house. I'm going to say that again. Everybody's welcome at God's house. There's always room at the table at God's house. That's what we call grace. Hey, and what a gracious group of people I've already met. Many of you, it's just a real honor. I want to say a very, very big thanks and appreciation to Pastor Mike and Starla Schaefer for this beautiful invitation. When they called and asked if I would come, I was just overwhelmed at the invitation and uh, the privilege to be here. I want you to know, and of course you already know this, the Schaefer family is highly respected. Uh, we have a deep love and respect and honor for Pastor Mike and the entire Schaefer family, for their heart, for this community, this city, this state, and the world, the impact that they've made on the world for all of these years. And it's just a real honor for me to even stand behind this podium this morning and bring God's word. So I'm super excited and so very, very blessed to know so many of you already and this tremendous pastoral team and this worship. Oh, my goodness. This church is blessed. Amen. Amen. And it's blessed by good people. And so it's just a, a real honor to be here with you this morning. And before I get into God's word, I just want to send my regrets, uh, my wife's regrets anyway. We've been married 25 years this year. Michelle is a, a big, huge part of my life and, and our ministry together, and she couldn't be here because she's, she's at another church with our 17 and 16-year-olds. So uh, they're, they're celebrating in God's house too, and uh, they would be with me, but they're on a worship team at another church, and so they're rocking it out for Jesus this morning. And uh, I tell you what, it's good to have the family in church, amen? It's good to have all God's family in church. And if you don't have your family in church, I pray that the Lord would bring breakthrough so that your sons and daughters would know Jesus and that they would be in God's house and they would celebrate what you celebrate. So thank you so very much for your warm response already. This morning, I want to get right into my assignment. I want to talk to you about staying sane in an insane world. Staying sane. Come on, somebody. Staying sane in an insane world. Somebody said, this is me when I haven't prayed. <laughs> so if that looks familiar, if that face looks familiar, just know that's me because I hadn't prayed much lately. No, I have prayed, and, and uh, that's just uh, what it looks like when I haven't. Okay. So I want to bring your attention to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. In my Bible study, and as I've been studying God's Word through this year, chronological Bible, I came across this passage of Scripture, and I grabbed my journal, and I began to write as the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And this is out of those notes that I was just writing for myself. I tell you, a message isn't a message until it preaches to yourself. And this was a message to myself. From the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to just let you in on it this morning. Psalm 31, 
starting with verse 13. And these are the words of the psalmist David. He said, I have heard the many rumors about me, and I'm surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, you are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. So let me take you back to 14. When he's got all this stuff going on around him, this is what he says. But I am trusting you, O Lord. Everybody say, I'm trusting. Come on, shout it out. I'm trusting. But I am trusting you, O Lord. Yes, and I say, you are my God. My future is in your hands. So, Father, these next few moments are yours and yours alone. Do with it as it would glorify you and draw our hearts to you, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever thought you were losing your mind? Well, someone said that stress can be defined as the confusion created when one's mind overrides the body's basic desire to choke the living daylights out of somebody who desperately needs it. That's stress. We're going we're gonna to overcome that confusion this morning. Not so you can choke somebody's daylights out, but so that you can get in better understanding of where you are with the Lord. My precious uncle, one of the most meek men I've ever met, a man who would do anything for his family, was just recently diagnosed with a fast-progressing dementia. And the neurologist said, frankly, to his immediate family that his brain is dying. They really didn't know uh, what has caused this, except maybe from a virus or a disease. He's had uh, the early onset of Parkinson's, and so maybe they thought this came through that. But we, of course, have already begun to pray new life into his brain. How many knows that God can do that? Is this church still believe in miracles? We're believing a miracle for my uncle. But this made me think about this whole idea of staying sane in a world in many ways that surrounds us with its craziness. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is there a crazy situation in your life that's impacted your mind? Now, your world of insanity and my world of insanity may be very different, but let's face it. There is nothing sane about the world we're living in. Nothing sane. And whether you have a sickness in your family or a difficulty on the job or some stressful financial situation that you're dealing with, it'd be great to live in a problem-free world, but that's not the case, and it's not going to happen this side of heaven. As a matter of fact, I think that God allows problems just to make us hungry for another world. How many knows we're going to a place where there's going to be no more tears, no more death, no more dying, no more pain, no more sickness? And I believe that if you aren't living for Jesus, there is a reason why that there's a lot of pain in your life. is because the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you to Jesus. Maybe you've got pain and you're living for Jesus today. Maybe you're dealing with some insanity around you. I I just believe that maybe the Lord is allowing some of that. Not that he wants it. Of course he doesn't want it. 
But maybe he's allowing it so that you can just be so uncomfortable with this world that you might say with the Holy Spirit, Come, Lord Jesus. Well, we got to figure out in the meantime how to stay sane. We got to be sane. Because the last thing this world needs is a bunch of insane Christians. Oh, come on, somebody. What this world needs is to have somebody they can turn to. Somebody that seemingly may not have it all together, but knows who does have it all together. And we can go to him. So how do we keep our sanity while living in this crazy world? Well, we got to remember what David said. We got to remember what David said. He said, but I am trusting you, O Lord. Now, trusting is, in fact, how we stay sane. Trusting is how we stay sane. Not having trusted, not will trust, but what I call, and I wrote in my journal, the present reality of the believer. Trusting, not going to trust, not have trusted, but what I'm doing right now. And how many knows it's all about what you're doing right now? It's all about what you're thinking right now. It's all about what you're facing right now. It's all about what's mulling over in your mind right now. If we're trusting right now, then we know we're staying sane right now. Because you can't be insane and trust the Lord at the same time. And so this is the reality, I think, that David was actually teaching at us 3,000 years later that trusting is how we stay sane. And David, we're going to learn, David was dealing with some craziness in his life. He was dealing with insanity. Our daughter Emma, when she was in elementary school, she would say almost every day when we dropped her off to school, we, 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 we found it a point of humor in our life. She would say, don't forget to pick me up early. Now, don't forget to pick me up early. Now, every parent knows not to forget to pick up their young son or daughter from school, but for some reason, Emma felt the need to remind us not to forget to pick her up from school early. And we would say to our sweet Emma, baby, have we ever forgotten you at school or been late to pick you up? Why are you so fearful? Trust us, baby. Trust us. We won't forget to pick you up early from school. But how often we have thought this way about the father, afraid that he would miss an opportunity to work on our behalf, to provide for us, to protect us, and that even if he didn't forget, he would somehow be late showing up. How many have ever said, Lord, you, 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 we know you weren't early, but you had a lot of opportunities to be early. <laughs> How many knows he's a right on time God? Can you just lift your hand with me right now? You say, I don't lift my hands. Well, just do it anyway. There's a gun to your back. You're going to lift your hand. I surrender to you, Lord. Right now, I say you are right on time. You are right on time. Thank you, Lord. It's a like childlike versus childish faith. Childlike faith says he's going to show up. Childish faith says there ain't no way he's showing up. I got to do something. I gotta intervene. I gotta figure something out. I gotta exert some emotion. I gotta talk to somebody. I gotta get some meds. We do all kind of different things because we're quite not sure if he's gonna be on time or gonna be early. We're afraid he's gonna be late. 
And this is what David said. David said this. He said, I have heard the many rumors about me, and I'm surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. Now, let me put this in context. And as I was studying this, I said, i got to know the story. Well, I was studying the chronological Bible, and it was actually right in the middle of the story of King Saul and David and how King Saul was chasing after David, was wanting to end David's life because of jealousy. How many remember the story of King Saul and King David? It wasn't King David yet, but David had killed the giant of the Philistines, uh, and, uh, and so then Saul said, bring David to me. I want to know more about this David. And uh, he brought him into his court, and he gave him a promotion, gave him his daughter in marriage. Oh, man, he was excited. But then there was a song that was circling around that said that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul said, now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound quite right. I'm the king here. I'm the one that kills people. I'm the one that is a conqueror of conquerors. Who's this David business? And so Scripture says that King David got super jealous. Have you ever been around somebody that was super jealous? Boy, it makes them do some insane stuff when they're jealous. And the Scripture says that King Saul was so overcome with jealousy that there was a spirit of terror that struck him and possessed him. And the only thing that would settle that spirit down was the playing of the harp by David. And it's interesting, the very one that was causing, supposedly causing him jealousy was the one that was bringing peace to his life. And uh, King Saul would never be satisfied until David's life was snuffed out. And so this is the context. And David, at some points in the story, even had an opportunity to kill King Saul, but doesn't because of his fear of the Lord and who he knew God chose as king. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that because of that jealousy against David, David ran. How many knows that if there was a spear being thrown at you, not once, not twice, maybe the third time you'd be saying, something's not right here. And David said, something's not right here. And so David ran, the Scripture said. And this craziness is what sent David on the run. He was hiding in caves and hiding behind mountains, surrounded by terror, the Scripture says. But this is also what David said, and this is really what's worth noting this morning. This is why I believe that the Holy Spirit orchestrated this day to give you this message. David said, but I am trusting you, present reality. The present reality could have been, but I am fearful like fearful right now. I'm terrorized right now. I'm going crazy right now. That's not what the scripture says. David says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, right now, right this very second. You are my God. My future is in your hands. Notice what David said. He said, I'm trusting. Stuff is happening around me. Decisions have to be made. I'm being tempted to go with my feelings, but I am trusting you. And that, my friends, changes everything. When we're trusting in the right source. Now make no mistake about it. When he says, I'm trusting, he's not living his life in park or neutral. There's something about trusting that looks very, very active for David. 
And we'll see it. And as I studied this, I was like, okay, I got to know because I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. No joke. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Darren, you need to know what trusting looks like just to see if you actually are. And so I was studying this. and, And in that chronological Bible, it led me to another few passages of Scripture that was all tied in that I really didn't take notice before as I was reading through the Bible that didn't make those connections. But the Chronological Bible helped me with that. So I learned that if trusting is active, then we do certain things when we are trusting. And this is one of the things we do. We pray a lot. We pray a lot. We pray a lot. No, I mean, we really pray. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Let me tell you something. When you're surrounded by insanity, you learn how to pray. And you know what a prayer is? Oh, God. Where are you at? I'm about to lose my mind, Lord. Come in on this thing with me. Help me right now. You know, you don't have to be a theological, versed individual to cry out to God. You don't have to know every verse in the Bible to quote it back to God. How many knows that God knows his word? And even in your sense of insanity or the things you're facing around you, you can just quote something that's a half verse. And the Lord said, I'll finish the rest. I know what I said, and I'll work on your behalf. Come on, somebody. Praying a lot is trusting in God. Trust, man. You're going to pray. Psalm 142. Look at that with me. Psalm 142. It's a short psalm, but I want you to just make note of it. Psalm 142 is everything about this story. As a matter of fact, this is a psalm that David wrote when he was in a cave. Come on, people. He was in a cave, and he was hiding from Saul. And you know, Saul wasn't just the only one looking for David. This is why David said, I'm surrounded. Saul sent his 3,000 elite troops to go hunt David down. Now listen, if it was Darren and not David, they'd have found Darren because Darren's not smart. If you got 3,000 elite troops looking for you, you better be praying. And David was praying. He said, I'm surrounded, but I am trusting. And that trusting translated into prayer. And how many knows that if you had time to write down your prayer, you're probably praying a lot. And this is one of them. Psalm 142, he says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord, I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I'm very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, but you are good to me. How many knows that when you pray like that, that sounds like a a whole lot of mixture of emotion and not quite sure thinking, but you're a confessing faith. You are releasing something to God that only he can take and make something good out of. Listen, when you are trusting God, you're praying a lot. You're praying a lot. And if you're not praying a lot, you're not trusting. Because a little prayer here and then 30 days later, another prayer there, 
a lot of in-between is going to be fret, it's going to be anger, going to be a lot of other emotions that won't bring glory to God and will frankly make your insanity worse. So pray a lot. That's what trusting is. David was crying out and he was pleading for God's mercy. And we can hear it over and over again through the Psalms. But this is what I want you to hear that's different with David and us. Because of what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says. David had to offer a lot of sacrifices. He was also kind of entering into a priestly role. He was kind of going over the priest head when he was praying. Because a lot of times in the Old Testament, you didn't just go pray. You had to go through a sacrificial system. So David was just throwing up stuff and hoping it was going to land. But today, we can know it will land. Because of who? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. And because of Jesus, there is no need for another sacrifice. I want you to listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It's on the screen. So let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. We can take that one sentence and talk for four hours on the reality. of And I won't do that because we're running out of time, but let me just say it like this. When we're coming boldly, we know what we have a God that's going to hear us when we pray. And we know that when we come to a throne of... Listen, I met a lot of gracious people today, but how many knows that when you come to God, He is ultimately hospitable. His arms are wide open. He's saying, my arm is not too short to save and my shoulders are not too weak to carry your burden. Come on, church. When we pray a lot, we're trusting and we have have a God who says, come on in. Come on in. Sounds like an invitation to sanity to me. Come on in. One thing we can be sure of when we learn from this Old Testament character, David, he was transparent. He was transparent. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. There's absolutely no level of honesty, church, no level of hugeness, hugeness of problems that intimidates our Father. It doesn't matter what you feel like you're surrounded with. Just say, Lord, I really need help. And this is what I love about Hebrews 4.16. Will, you will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we what? When we need it most. What a Father. And what a Savior, Jesus, that we get this opportunity. So trusting means praying a lot. Here it is. Trusting means surrendering our emotions. Mm, you really had to go there, didn't you? Because I want to give somebody peace of my mind. And, you know, my, my mother used to tell me, son, if you give people pieces of your mind, you're not going to have any left. <laughs> and she would always remind me, you don't have much anyway. And so hold on to what you've got. Surrender your emotions. You know, when we're surrendering our emotions, that means we're trusting because it is very, very difficult to surrender our emotions outside of trusting the Lord. Very, very difficult. It's, it's near impossible. And this is what David was doing. I want you to listen to these passages of Scripture, and I'm just going to read them to you. They're really quick, real quick phrases, and write these down. Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So courageous and brave. Psalm 35, 12, I am sick with despair. That's what David said. Psalm 142, 6, hear my cry for I am very low. 
He's like being transparent. He's surrendering his emotions. Every one of these psalms is straight out of that insane time in David's life. He had to surrender his emotions. Otherwise, those very emotions would have gotten the best of him and would have produced more despair and depression for his insanity and his insane moments. So emotions, let me... Man, we got to know this. Emotions cannot be trusted. They cannot... If you feel happy... That feeling is going to go. If you feel sad, that feeling is going to go. If you feel mad, if you feel grateful, all of those feelings are going to go because feelings are temporary. They're based on the temporal circumstances that surround us. But the Lord doesn't want us to operate off of our conditions. He wants us to operate off of our position. And our position is in him. And that's what's stable because God is stable. And so when David says, I'm trusting you, he's saying, I got to get rid of these emotions. I want to kill somebody right now. I want to wring their neck. And you know, the scripture tells us that David had opportunities to kill his enemy. He had opportunities to say, you know what? It's only right that I do this because I feel like it's right. How many knows even when you feel like it's right? It doesn't mean it's right. And so you've got to have something. And so what is David saying? David's saying, I'm praying a lot and I'm surrendering my emotions. One writer put it like this. It's, it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. When I was going through a very insane time in my life, the only way I remained sane and frankly not lose my mind was a confession that I spoke over myself many times a day throughout the day. And my, matter of fact, my family got tired of hearing it. My staff got tired of hearing it. My church got tired of hearing it. But I quoted it, man. And they started quoting it. They were like, well, you know, it sounds pretty good. And this is what I would say. My heart is stilled. My mind is steadfast. And my spirit is alive to your word. My heart is stilled, my mind is steadfast, and my spirit is alive to your word. When I would want to say, I'm so stinking mad right now, I'm fearful. I've got a lot of things going, man. I just want to hurt somebody, and I, you know what? I really don't care if they hurt me. I'm just, I'm just, oof. No, my heart is still. My mind is steadfast, and my spirit is alive to your word. You and I will never win when we are led by our emotions. We will never win. We will never, ever, ever win. And according to this narrative in Scripture between Saul and David, the contrast of insane and sane emotions is evident. David kept it together. Saul did not. David stayed the course. Saul got off the course. David hid instead of chased. Saul, Saul ran after and threw things and expressed immense out-of-controlness all along the way. One's man jealous, one man's jealousy led him down an insane path while another man's measured response led him down a road of insanity, a road of sanity. So trusting, trusting means surrendering our emotions. It means praying a lot. And the third thing it means, it means doing the wise thing. Doing the wise thing. Have you ever asked yourself, what would the wise thing be to do? Like when your spouse says, you're such an idiot. 
Now, I know there's no spouses that have ever said that to their husband or their wife. Never, ever, ever. Don't be pointing. Don't be pointing. <laughs> or you, you, you might say, you know, how can you be so dumb or I don't know. And then I know, I know, you think, well, the right thing to do here would be to say, as my son would say, get up off of my dome. <laughs> I still don't even know what that means, but dome. <laughs> is that, is that, uh, you have a helmet on? I mean, <laughs> what, what? No, no, you, you, this is, you ask yourself in crazy times, in insane moments, what is the wise thing to do? What's the why? What would, what would wisdom say in this regard? When you are trusting present reality of the believer, you're praying a lot, you're surrendering your emotions, and you're asking yourself, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? Psalm 18, another one of those chapters that I didn't know was connected to this story, but is. This is, this is, what, this is what David said in Psalm 18. Listen to this. This is really important. Verse 20. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. It's all about this story. He restored me because of my innocence. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. Now, what was he saying? There's, there's, this, there's this huge reality. I want you to listen to this. This is really important. I'm closing it out. There's this huge reality of going rogue. That if you go rogue, you go alone. I've got people that have told me to do something and I thought they were going to be with me after they told me to do it. But after I started doing it, I looked around and they were nowhere to be found. Because stupidity doesn't really have a crowd. It's a crowd of one. Especially when they see you doing stupid. And it's always more interesting to watch somebody doing stupid than to do stupid. And so you've got a crowd, but they're not with you. And just make sure that you know that just because you've got a, quote, backing to do something crazy in response doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be with you on the other side of that crazy. And so the better thing to do is the wise thing. And that's what David did. And Psalm 1-7 says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So somewhere along the line, David said, I fear God. I fear God. How many knows there's a healthy fear of God? You know, Hebrews 4 says, come boldly. But if you're not fearing God, you don't even know what that means. You can't come boldly. You're going to come haphazardly. You're going to come with ill intent, and you're not going to understand your relationship with God. But if you're fearing God, you can come boldly because you understand what Jesus did for you. And you didn't do this for yourself. You didn't do this for anybody. You did it, and you responded, and you surrendered. Listen, David had every opportunity to take matters into his own hands, but that's the wrong hands when dealing with problems too big for us to hold. Listen, church. This is so, so important. So, so important. This is really, really important. When we say my future is in your hands, what we're saying is my hands are off. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord. 
Psalm or, or 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 8 through 11. One of David's men said, God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. You know where David was? David was back in a cave and Saul came in, the scripture says, for, forgive the bluntness, to relieve himself. He came in that cave. And while he was relieving himself, one of David's guys said, dude, get him. <laughs> this must be God giving you an opportunity to take out your enemy. But see, you, knew, you know what David knew? David knew God's character over human opinion. And God's character is you respect those who are in authority no matter how wrong they are. And so David had to say, hold on a minute. That's not good advice. I'm going to do the wise thing. And this is what David said, the Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take his spear and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. Trusting means doing the wise thing. Trusting means surrendering your emotions. Trusting means I'm praying a lot. And I'm not trusting God in the present. If I'm not doing that, I'll be fearful about my days in the future. So trusting now impacts my future and how I will trust him then. And what is the Holy Spirit teaching you right now? What is the Holy Spirit teaching you right now? About your situation, about what you're faced with, about what's going on in your life. I will tell you... Um, I'm in, a, I'm in a really interesting season, too. It's, it's, it's not the same as your season, and I would never, ever compare what I'm going through with what you're going through. But just because a guy has a, a nice-looking coat, you like my coat, I know you do, that just because he's got a good-looking shirt on and he's got socks and shoes and he's got some slacks, doesn't mean a guy doesn't have problems underneath. We can dress up our problems pretty good. We can dress up our struggles, and a lot of people, you know, you look at somebody, you say, they must really be dealing with a lot, and you realize they're not dealing with a whole lot. They're just trusting the Lord, and then you see somebody that seems to have it all together, and you think they must have it all, and then you realize you hear about something in your life, and you go, man, I'm so surprised. I don't know what you're facing today. I, I'm certainly not, to pro, not here to profile. I hope you're not trying to profile on me, but this is what we want to do. We want to just say, my future's in your hands, Lord. I want to trust you. I don't want to trust you tomorrow. I don't want to trust you yesterday. I want to trust you right now. Whatever's going on in my life. Maybe you've been faced with a, a real difficult illness in your life, and it's chronic, and it's really getting at you. The Lord wants you to trust him. Let him take care of it. I don't know how he's going to take care of it. How many knows that God is big enough? And maybe you're dealing with a financial concern today, and you say, man, if this doesn't happen, this is going to happen. I'm about to lose my mind. The Lord says, trust me. Trust me. If David can trust him, you can trust him. So I trust you, Lord. Maybe you're dealing with the difficulty. I just got a call from a dear friend this week who said, I just found out that my wife has been in an affair. And he was crying on the phone. He said, Darren, I really need you to help me. He's in the ministry, by the way. 
the tough times. He said, my wife is sitting right beside me, and she says she's willing to get help. I said, man, do not take that for granted. Let's pray. I'm coming to see you. So this week, I'm going to drive miles across on the other side of the state just to sit, my wife and I, just to sit with this couple. Let me tell you something. You know, they're over there pastoring to church. Nobody knows what they're going through. But my God is big enough. Their God is big enough. Your God is big enough. And what do we say? Our future, Lord, there is nothing. So we pray a lot. We surrender our emotions and we do the wise thing. We say, we give it to you, Lord. Maybe there's a family issue. There's a, a wayward child. There's a difficulty on the job. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, it does matter. Sure, it matters. But it doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. God is able. I want you to stand all across this place. It has been such a joy to be with you today and to, to just share this time with you. This is what I want us to do. I just want us just to let it go. Let it go. Pastor Josh told me that there'd be prayer leaders that would come across the front and stand and and if you wonderful people would want to come and do that right now that'd be great this is what I want us to do I want us to give an opportunity for people to be prayed for for people to be joined with there's a wonderful thing called partnership in prayer standing with each other and we're a family here I've heard that a lot today already we're a family here and I want us to pray if you've got a particular issue in your life that you're saying, I need to trust him right now. So help me to pray about praying a lot. Help me to pray about surrendering my emotions. Help me to pray about doing the wise thing. We're going we're gonna to pray with you about that. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, the first step to finding sanity in your life is to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, all you need to do is lift up your hand and say, Today, I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. The Scripture says if you do that, you'll be saved. That means you turn your back on the world and you turn your face to the one who forgives all sins. And if you believe that in your heart, that means you're saved. That's the first step. So we're going to sing, I'm going to walk off the stage. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Let the Holy Spirit draw you. Whatever your need is today in trusting the Lord, give it to Him. Let us pray with you about it. God bless you.